Hello, everyone. Uh, welcome to another version of Bill Roden on Sports Recording here in Harlem, USA, in our wonderful studio high above uh, Harlem, USA. Uh, here with uh, my friend and co-host, great Jamal Murphy. Good to be here. Dreary, dreary, uh, what's today? Wednesday night? Well, whatever. You know, but just it's, just to give people the, you know. A dreary, over, well, but you know, in Harlem it's always sunny. Yeah, okay. And uh, here, and uh, Kevin Kevin Keating uh, on the soundboard, and uh, Raisa Kelly shooting, and our special guest this evening, man. This is really we uh, we're trying to been trying to hook this up for for about a couple of months. Uh, our uh, special guest is Nick Eatman, um, is a uh, outstanding journalist. He, for all you Dallas Cowboy fans, we'll get to that later. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> that may be probably most of the show. Uh, because he, um, you know, Nick uh, writes and manages DallasCowboys.com. Uh, and there's there's a ton to talk about about that, Nick. But um, the, 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 the the major reason uh, that we have him on is he's just written a fascinating book called Friday, Saturday, Sunday in Texas, a year in the life of Lone Star football from high school to college to the Cowboys. And, you know, Jamal and I were just talking. First of all, Nick, welcome to the show, man. Uh, welcome man. to Bill Road on Sports. I appreciate it. Thanks, guys, for having me. I'm excited to be here for sure. Yeah, yeah. But, you know, hey, Nick, so so Jamal and I were talking before the show that you really hit a home run. I mean, in the time that you you spent uh, covering a high school, college, and, and football, um, you've had Baylor, yeah, you know, and and the Cowboys regular drama. I mean, you just really hit home. Well, I, I appreciate that. That's a that's a, a great compliment coming from you uh, and anyone really. But uh, you know, I, I appreciate that because it was a, it was a journey. It was a, a two years of, of figuring out, and 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 you'll laugh when you hear kind of how the how the idea came about because. <laughs> um, you know, I, I'm sitting at home, and, and actually, I, you know, I, I'm covering the Cowboys, and I'd written a book on Art Brile, so I was, I was going to Baylor games to try to promote that, and then also just just as a friend to to people that I know at this particular high school, I'm going to all these games as well, and so I'm making a, a, a trek out of Friday, Saturday, Sunday, thinking, <laughs> man, I need to write a book out of this, well, <laughs> or something, you know, and then I'm watching a TV show called Modern Family, real popular show. I don't know if you've seen it, yeah, but yeah. but they basically focus on three families they're different but they have the same goal mm -hmm. they go back and forth back and forth they're connected you know and all of a sudden i'm thinking this is how i want to write a book mm -hmm. i'm going to go back and forth with these three i'm going to show the differences i'm going to show the similarities at the same time and it's like you know what they got different problems they got different venues they got different exposure but they're all playing a kid's game that we we love you know so that's basically what the idea came from mm -hmm. and, and i just kind of said let's make it happen yeah, it's great, man. I mean, the execution was excellent. Um, we were talking about the organization, um, but you know, again, let's let's. I'm, I'm trying to think of where to start because it's just so so much rich. I guess the first is a general question: What is it about Texas and football? I mean, you are you've got Friday Night Lights. Right. Uh, even going yeah. back to you know, I played uh, football, college football, Morgan, uh, Morgan State, and we had these Texas guys. And they were just a whole nother breed of guys, man. They, first of all, they thought that the sun and the moon and everything rose and set with Texas and Texas football. 
So what what is it about Texas, man? I mean, whether it's high school, whether it's whether it's college, whether it's the pros, what is it about Texas that just makes it so crazy? Well, I think uh, that's a that's a great question, and and, and and let me let me say this: I, I don't have any disrespect towards any of the other states about football because I know that the passion is there. It may not be as much, but there's a lot of passion about Friday nights because it's one of those things we all can relate to. We all relate to, to high school football because we were in high school. Either we played it, we we were you know in a band. Even if you had if the, uh, the guy uh, has three daughters. They probably were in, you know, in the in the the drill team and all that stuff. So you're spending yourself on some Friday nights, and it just kind of brings the town together. Now, to ask to answer your question about what makes it different, I think in you know in here in Texas, we feel like you know everything's bigger in Texas. We we got to be the, right. the best, you know. We we got to outlast everybody. And I think um, passion's the same in all the places. It's the resources. Here's a great example: the Cowboys. Last year, up until before we moved to the to the brand new headquarters in Frisco, up until that, when it rained, we would go to a local high school to use their indoor practice facility, wow. and we had two or three to to choose from, right. you know. And so here's the American team. It's raining outside. Oh, we got to go to South Lake Carroll or Capel High School see if we can possibly use their indoor facility. You know, the, the, these kids are going to colleges, and and they're thinking. We had a better weight room in high school. We had better <laughs> uniforms. We had a bigger stadium. So it's it, it's just a phenomenon that keeps growing and growing. Those big schools have it nice, but to me, the ones that are best are the small schools, the ones mm. where the whole town shuts down. And it doesn't matter if you have your 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 fights and your your quarrels and all that. At the on Friday night at seven thirty, we're all tigers. We're mm. all eagles. We're all you know blue devils. Whatever it is, and, and that's what I love about it. And you really see it a lot here in Texas. Well, uh, the way you wrote the book was fascinating, how you would, you know, you go from Friday uh, to describe the high school team, then Saturday uh, for college, and then Sunday for the Cowboys. I was wondering, what, what uh, differences and similarities did you, did you find that kind of surprised you? Um, great, great question. When, when, you, when you get to the, the let's say, the, the similarities, you know, one, one aspect that I like about it was the classroom. You know, on, on a Friday, it's like it, it, whatever it is, it, it's like I'm studying for the SAT. I'm studying for this college course. I, I, I'm in, you know, in, in uh, Friday afternoon, I'm in class. You know, quarterback sitting in class. He, now, he admits he's not thinking of anything, mm. you know, than <laughs> his first start. But he, he's going to admit that. But, you know, and then he's got to come home and he's got to he's got to do homework. And same with, with uh, um, you know, Saturday or with, with Baylor. You know, they, they go to play Kansas State on a Thursday night. On Wednesday, they got 20 guys taking tests in a hotel room. Mm. You know, and that's part of it, even though uh, there's other kids that are that are got the playbook out. And then then you, you, you go at, at eight o'clock at night at, at, at Old Valley Ranch. You know, and the Cowboys, and there's Sean Lee and Jason Witten sitting there studying for the Redskins. Mm. You know, you you're studying in, in all levels, whether it be algebra, whether it be your NFC opponent, or or for the SAT. That's something that I thought. That's one of the similarities that I thought. It's it's different scopes. It's different things. You're still cracking a book or an iPad now, and and things like that. Mm-hmm. Obviously, for the differences, you know, you don't you look no further than than you know just just the the stands and the the crowds and and, and you know the the exposure. You know, here's here's one for me. Tony Romo is the toughest guy for me to get down to to do an interview with. Mm-hmm. The, the the quarterback Matt Keys from Plano. He's like, man, I feel like a rock star getting to talk to you every day. Right. You know, and I'm right. just like. 
Hey, you know, I, I appreciate it. And so, you know, that, that's one of the things. But these kids dig it. They they love it. And, and you know, in the NFL, it's like, you know, you have to – some of the players, you know, you have to kind of twist their arms. Just to, I bet just you to t- t- Tony Romo is available now. <laughs> he's, he's, he is he got, available, he got plenty, actually. He got plenty of time on his hands. <laughs> he's got time, but he still finds himself unavailable. Yeah. But, well, but, you know, uh, yeah, that, that, yeah, that, that, yeah, I know what you yeah, that's another. Yeah. That's a He's whole another. We'll save that later. Tony Romo. We'll get man, to him. We'll get to him in a second. Jesus yeah. Christ, man, that guy. Uh, hey, but uh, now, I, I noticed your accent. It's not a Brooklyn accent. Uh, are you? Where, where are you from? Uh, I'm. Um, I actually grew up in Arkansas oh, okay. and then Oklahoma for a while, and then really moved down to Texas when I was thirteen. I've lived in Texas since the last, uh, I'd say, twenty-seven years. So I don't. I'm nowhere close to. Brooklyn, or I don't. I don't <laughs> well, know. I know I was kind of. Being, did Did you play high school football? Uh, I did not play high school football. No, mm-hmm. I didn't. So, and 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 you know, but I, I went to games and stuff, and mm-hmm. but I I didn't I did not not play. But I, you know, I've always had, I, I've always loved it. There's something about it. There's something about the pageantry of it that that I, you know, I just I really thought, mm-hmm. and, and I love the movies. You know the the Friday Night Lights and the Varsity Blues and you know and and, and the, the program and all that stuff. Even though those are sensationalized, uh, I still I still you know love it. And so and then of course being with the Cowboys for so long, you kind of see that that aspect of it as well. But I still like I, I find myself going to those Friday Night games and and I love them. Even though you would say, oh man, you you're in you've been in Philly and D.C. and you go to all these games. I've been to every Cowboy game for the last seventeen years. Wow. But for me. I, I sit there and I'm like, I love it. I love mm. watching these high school games because mm. you know that, especially like on senior night, 90% of these kids are never going to play again, ever. Mm. That's right. And, and, and that, that's the, the beauty of it. Mm. What, what, what is the um, – we could get to specifics a little later, but as I'm, I'm reading your book and the notes and, and you know, I've, I've been covering this stuff for a long time, you know, the high school stuff, not deeply into – I never really got – deep, 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 deep into Texas football, but just high school football in general, where does the corruption begin? I mean, because, and you've had, you've been in a great position to see it, you know, from the peewee to the high school, and then it gets a little bigger in college, and then finally the Cowboys. There are two questions. Where does the corruption begin, and which is the most corrupt? I mean, you might say maybe the pro level is the most honest, because it's just laid yeah. out that, hey, you know, we're getting money, right. and this is just what we do. You know, where everything else has a veneer of, you know, innocence and amateurism. But it's two questions. Now that you've seen high school, college, pro, what is the root of the corruption? Where does it begin? And do you think that the that 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 and which level is is most corrupt? You know, the, I've never been asked that question before. Yeah, I, I you're Bill Roden on sports. You always give you the first. <laughs> there you go. There you go. I think you know what what I like about the question is is that you know it, it's it's a little bit of all three, but I I believe in domino effects. You know, I I believe in and that's how you know one thing kind of leads to another, and, and I think it, it kind of starts really in the and I wouldn't say it's always corrupt at the high school level but that's where the phenomenon begins you know and that that that's where it's taken to a whole another level and for some places it's like really like this is awesome this is this is big time football and then you have to stop and go you know this is a, a, a sophomore in high school you know i mean like is it that i mean here, here's an example of that and i'm not trying to cut off but after one of the games 
playing a loss to their rival team, Plano West. I mean, they they lost at the last minute. Quarterback comes out, looks right at me and says, this is the worst night of my life. (laughs) And I'm thinking to myself, I hope it is. (laughs) This is the worst night of your life. It won't be, I can promise you. But you know what? For right then and there, it was. And that was so – I hate – I'm not trying to – you know, get excited about his pain, but but that was kind of that was real, you know. And uh, and so what I'm saying is, is that it, it starts there. It starts there. Now it gets to the college level, and that's where the big, you know, the yeah. big dollars come into effect with the TV and all that. And and I think that's probably the most corrupt because we're talking about you know kids that are going to college mainly so they can play football, right. taking all kinds of courses just to kind of get by. Right. Then they they get to the pros or whatever, or even the worst situations are the ones that aren't in the pro yeah, right, and they right. still don't read at the level that they need to read and, and they don't have a degree to show for it and so that's to me where the corruption comes from because you're right about the nfl nfl is what it is i mean we're you know it, it's got its issues it's got issues and all that and when, we, when we've got injury and you know um concerns and that kind of stuff but these guys are making a lot of money and they're doing it in front of a lot of people and so I, you know, I think that uh, if you had to answer that, I would say the, the most corrupt is probably at the college level. Well, speak, speaking of that, I mean, you had to, going into this, you had to figure you were going to have your share of scandal or controversy as far as the Cowboys <laughs> went. But it turns out the biggest controversy you had uh, to write about was the uh-huh. Baylor controversy. So, you know, did that surprise you? Oh, of course. I mean, that was. You know, I couldn't get the book out of my hands fast enough. I mean, I, I'm trying to, you know, that my deadline was about that, you know, May time, and, and then all of a sudden this is going down. Mm. And, and it was really difficult to, on a couple levels, it was really difficult to try to, to finish this book and this season and kind of put a bow on it when this new scandal's coming out where we still have new things that are popping up from that. It's hard to really put your finger on what was going on. So that was a really difficult challenge of where do we end this thing? Where do I feel comfortable leaving this story off? Um, and then also per, on a personal level, um, somebody that I consider to be a, a good friend in our brows and, and, and to have that situation happened to him and his family. Um, it was it was tough. And, and again, I don't know all the facts. And a lot of people don't know the facts. Art Browse will tell you he doesn't know a lot of the facts, which is astonishing as well. But for me, to to sit here and say, you know, that I, you know, am I biased about him? Yeah, you're dang right, I am because because I think he's one of the top two or three human beings I've ever met. And for that to happen, um, it, it was it's just a very unfortunate on all levels. I hate it for the victims. I hate it for people that happen to Baylor. I, I hate, hate it for their fans. I hate it for, you know, everybody involved in that. It was just handled poorly. I'm going to include Art on that. Art, Art he, he knows it. Right. They, they made mistakes. They made mistakes for sure. Um, they, they, they trusted too many people. They didn't, they didn't, you know, I'm not saying they turned their, their cheeks to things, but they, I think that at times they, they, they just didn't get into the situations as much as they could have it's still going though mm, there's right. some still things that are going to pop out of this so i know i'm bouncing around there but but it was a tough situation altogether. um and i, I hope the best for him and I hope the best for everybody in, involved there but it, it's still you know baylor is, is, is they're going to see darker days before they see mm. some better ones in my opinion our guest is nick eatman he's the author of friday saturday sunday in texas a year in the life of Lone Star football from high school to college to the Cowboys. I mean, just a really, 
really great read, and I'm I'm really looking forward to getting into it, getting back into it. Let me ask you a question, though, Nick. Um, you know, you, you for for a lot of our uh, people listen, they they're not really fluent in what actually happened at Baylor. Just take us through, in a snapshot. Just take us through what happened at Baylor, because I think okay. I think it kind of caught you. Again, like you said, it, 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 as a journalist, you're like, oh, my God, thank you. Thank you, Jesus. <laughs> you know? But, but yeah. just take us through what happened. Well, I, 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 this is where it got tough for me mm. because, because, yes, as, as a journalist, but right knowing, you know, the, these three schools were hand, I mean, these three teams were, were picked. It wasn't just like, oh, I think these, these will be the best three. This is where I could get the most access. And a lot of times it comes into that level of, friends and you know you know how that goes exactly. when you're a journalist and you let you like well that is a tough line to to to, to tell because you you know you're getting the access because you're friends but at the same time you've got to be honest in how you're doing it so and i know i'm not telling you anything about mm-hmm. that but what, what I'm saying i don't like anybody but go ahead i got you um, go ahead, go ahead. It, it, it you know this thing i'll just kind of do the, the nuts and bolts of it of it, the there were sexual assaults that, that happened in 2012, uh, 2014. And, and it became, and then the, later on, um, it be, there was, there was a couple of more situations where the, you know, they were players that were accused. And so now these two players that were actually, uh, charged, um, for sexual assault were kicked off the team immediately. But the thing about it was, is that once it became that, then then a third situation popped up. And then you had a report from ESPN and outside the lines, and it's like, well, what's going on at Baylor? There was just kind of this growing saga of, of what was happening. Uh, they did an investigation. Baylor did their own investigation from Kenneth Starr, who was the president at the time. Kind of went ahead and said, we'll, we'll get to the bottom of this, and so they they did their ongoing investigation. Now, this is where it gets tricky is that the, the, the people that did the investigation told all the, all the staff members that, that it was going to be you know, confidential. Um, and, and I think what happened is, is that there was no report. There's no physical report with a page and stapled, not, nothing like that. They gave an oral presentation to the Board of Regents. Now, maybe they did that so they can get away with saying names and things like that. But either way, nothing was ever – printed out so you don't really know what the report was that's why our browser left in the dark and it it ended up being that i think baylor wanted this to go away so badly Mm. that they ended up saying we're going to let everybody go and we're going to say football doesn't matter we're going to be above that and we're we're going to to move on from this um they're they're, going to take they're taking a lot of backlash for how they handled it but it's just it was a really sketchy situation on a lot of levels, um, you know, I didn't get to talk to a, a lot of people at the Baylor side of it, but, uh, you know, you, you just got different versions of what happened. And, and you know, Title IX, Baylor was supposed to put Title IX in place. The, the NCA came down in 2011 and said every school must get Title IX on their campus immediately. That was 2011. They did not do anything until 2014. They did not have a Title IX office. And all of those in- incidents that ended up leading to Art Browse's dismissal happened in those three years when they did not have structure in place. So there's a lot of fingers to be pointed out here. And, and I'm, not, I'm not saying one more than the other, 
it's just it's a mess is what it is it's a big old exercise mess and it was it was hard to clean up and it's not done getting cleaned what up what's yet. going on now you said there's still the, the shrapnel is still falling what um, well I, I i think it's i think the narrative is turning a little bit i think you're seeing some media coverage of pointing fingers back at baylor um and and it, i'm not saying art browse doesn't out of the woods by any means, or, or, or the, the opinion has changed, but I think you're starting to see there's a lot more fault being placed at, at, at Baylor and the leaders there um, and, and of what was going on um, other than just maybe the football coaches. So there's just different sides to it. It's probably going to come down to, you know, who, who, do you, who do you choose to believe? But ultimately at the end of the day, I do think Art Bros will coach again. I think it'll be sooner than later. And, and I think that um, – you know, I I think that he'll he'll end up. You know, I, I for me personally, I hope his legacy is not this, and it's for being a, a really good, uh, a great football coach with a great football mind. Yeah, and you, uh, as you mentioned, he was fired, and they also fired Ken Starr, uh, the president of the university, and they fired the the athletic director, correct? So everybody. Yes, in, in McCall. Yes, those three, those three, and and a couple more football staff members, but then no other assistant coach which is really weird because there's two of his family members. His son, Kendall Browse, is the offensive coordinator. His son-in-law, Jeff Levy, also there. So, and then, and then not to mention some other assistants that are lifelong you know, Browse guys as well. So it is a really interesting dynamic that's going on down there uh, with, with coaches that are loyal to him. And they're, they're still there. They're under contract. They're having to work. They're having to recruit. And then you know, and, and he's, he's the one that, that's not, um, not with them. So, you know, hearing this stuff, I mean, there, there, there's so many questions. I mean, a lot of people listen to this, and they'll talk about all the evils of college sports. I mean, what happened at Baylor probably happens is you probably take Ohio State. You probably take every single major sports program, and you're talking about the basic issues of entitlement. Um, why, do, why are athletes so entitled? But what I, what I was thinking when you were talking about that is that it, talking to about the Cowboys is actually refreshing. I mean, did you feel that way when you got to the – when you got to the uh, – the Cowboys, it was actually kind of refreshing to talk to the Cowboys well, or talk about to the Cowboys. Yes and no, because we had Greg Hardy on the team and we had Joseph Randall and we had some situations there on, the, on that team where guys that are, you know, that are really great, talented players, but they couldn't figure out things off the field as well. And so ultimately – you know, when I, when I break it down, and I say this about Texas football, from a football standpoint, football-wise, Texas is undefeated. Texas never loses. You can have a 4-12 record. You can have three. But Texas wins every time because the fans want to come out. They were thirsty for more. Next time around, I'm going to be there. I'm going to be in the stands. This is a bad year, but next year is our year. Texas always wins. Mm. Now, and from a football standpoint, now, from a social standpoint, you have a great X's and O's coach. I mean, one of the best in the game, one of the best minds. But yet they figured out at Baylor, they said, you know what? We don't need him to be our coach right now. It's better for us now, right or wrong, but that's what they decided. The Cowboys had a defensive end, one of the best in the game, and Greg Hardy at rushing the passer. He doesn't have a job right now because nobody in the NFL wants to deal with his off-the-field issues. Joseph Randall, very talented running back, had a chance to be the starting running back, couldn't handle his off-the-field issues. He is no longer in the league. So as great as football is, even in all states and in Texas, it can't outrun its social issues, nor should it. 
And so that's kind of also a refreshing thing about it. Texas football, it's king, it's the giant. But you know what? Sometimes it doesn't win out in social issues, and that's a good thing. Mm. So that's kind of what I take from all that. Yeah. Um, what about Plano? I mean, we, we talked about, uh, you know, were, were there any issues uh, at Plano? I mean, or was it? Was that kind of squeaky clean? No. That must have been refreshing. Hopefully. Yeah, yeah, maybe that was refreshing. Yeah. No, no issues like that. But, but on a very smaller level, it's it, it's like Plano High School is similar to the Cowboys. Again, very you know different level. But the, the the fact is is that they've won seven state championships. Now they hadn't won one in twenty years, but they've won seven state championships, and the fans there are like, "When's number eight coming?" And, and, and you're thinking, you see these kids? Do you see what you have, a bunch of sophomores and juniors? If you make the playoffs, it'll be a great year, but nobody cares about that realistic stuff. They just want to know if they're going to make the, win state and go to the playoffs. Same with the Cowboys. Cowboys, you know, th- they've had years where 9-7 and seven was a great year for them, 10-6. and six. But their fans are so hungry for the Super Bowl that that's what they expect because that's what they've been trained to, to, to cheer for. So on a way smaller level that's kind of what Plano that's what their coach is dealing with you know he he's a he's a head coach that's got he's got this athletic director who was a former coach with a state ring he's got two retired coaches that drive around in golf carts and they've got state ring their name's on the stadium they've got state championships and here he is just trying to get to the playoffs I mean so it's something that keeps him up at night and also gets him up in the morning it's the same thing Yes, it's interesting because, you know, you talk talk about the high school level in Plano and, and the reason it, it must be refreshing because you, you actually wrote books, you know, you you, wrote, you you mentioned being close to Art Browse. You wrote a book previously about him uh, looking up, correct? Right, that is correct. And then you also wrote uh, If These Walls Could Talk about the Dallas Cowboys. So you finally got to, to bring all these three things together and it was the high school thing that actually turned out to be the missing the missing link. And it turned out to be one of my favorite parts of it because those kids are just so real. You know, the, those and, and one of the, the running backs who was going to Stanford and ended up changing his choice and went to UCLA, is playing at UCLA now, and mm. one of the smartest kids. And, I mean, I'm just easy to, to root for. And, and, and not only that, but, but, but the, my link to the Plano, uh, the, their assistant coach, who was a college roommate of mine, it was where I was there as a fan for 10 years, but his name is Chris Fisher, and he is—he was a defensive coach, and he got the opportunity to take uh, to get his first head coaching job, and so that made it in the book. He got to go back to Amarillo, Texas, for with where he um, was a was a cornerback, and that was his alma mater. That's his first head coaching job, and so you know it, it's not just players that are trying to go to the NFL, <laughs> trying to get that D1 scholarship. It's coaches that are trying to expand, you know, the, the, in, in, and live their dreams and chase them as well. And so that was a neat aspect for, for the book, to be able to tell that story as well. Did any of this make you sick? <laughs> I mean, you know, again, you know, I've been, you know, I was doing this for decades. And I, I never think I got jaded, but... I, you know, certain thing. I just didn't believe anybody anymore. In fact, you know, you mentioned uh, getting close to Art Bryles and stuff. And I guess my my uh, perspective on people in the industry, I mean, you meet a lot of really cool people, but I compared it to, like, being in the zoo. You know, when you're in the zoo, you see all these great animals. You see the polar bears, and you see the great black panther, but there are a reason why those damn bars are there. 
you know, and, and, and you go beyond, you go behind those bars at your peril. So I'm, I was always aware, whether it was John Thompson or uh, John Cheney or athlete, you know, uh, I was, we were always aware of the bars being there and we'd have conversations and somebody stops it. Roden, I better never read this, you know, I'm gonna kill you, you know. <laughs> Um, you know, uh, but you, you were saying, I'm sorry, that's just a soliloquy, there's no question to that, but you, you were saying of all the books you've, you've read, this book, uh, Friday, Saturday, Sunday in Texas, was your most uh, satisfying. Why, why is that? Well, I think the reason for that is you go to a bookstore and you see a biography section. Okay, so there, there's biographies all over the place. Now, I was so excited to be able to write that about Art Brow a fascinating story, but you know what, you, you, there's a thousands that come out a month. Um, the, the, the second one was a collection of stories, collection of stories from my time with the Cowboys. The, the, the publicist even told me, we're not trying to reinvent the wheel here. So let's just, let's just, you know, let's do this book and you'll tell your stories and it'll be great. And I'm like, okay, great. This one, this one, the Harper Collins, the publishing company said, uh, we've, we have not even ever, heard of this kind of idea before we've never seen anyone try to do that and i found out really quick why no one has ever attempted this because <laughs> it almost killed me but but the point is and why i'm so proud of it and why it's my favorite is because um it, it, it's something that just kind of came to me and i said you know what i think this will work i really do i think this will work and, and and you know we'll see if it does but i think right now you know just having it out and finishing it i mean it, it's people always say well the first one's the best one but this one right here, this is the journey that, that I took to, to go to all these places, and not to mention, not to mention, had a, a newborn baby last oh, wow. football season. Oh, congratulations! So, congratulations! Thank you. But there, so we got some sleepless nights mm. as well as we're on the road and doing all this stuff. So it, it was by far this will go down as my my favorite of the three because, it, like you said, uh, Jamal, it ties in all three. Uh, levels that ties in things I've already done, and then adding the high school to it. It really, it, it really was a fun journey and a fun experience. Mm. Uh, just in a couple minutes, uh, again, our guest is uh, Nick Eatman. He's the author of Friday, Saturday, Sunday in Texas: A Year in the Life of Lone Star Football, from High School to College to the Cowboys. Um, has, has this experience changed you? If you clearly, you must love football. I think we all we like it, although we kind of was like a guilty pleasure, not quite sure why. Right. But has it changed your perspective um, on on the industry? First of all, just the injuries and football has that has that you know has just given you because from from high school to college, it's all brutal. I mean, from high school to college right. to the NFL, it's all brutal. It, it hasn't changed. It really hasn't because I, I believe. That, that this, you know, that it, it's all out there. It, I mean, it's out there what, what the concussions can do. There's a movie out there. Will Smith starring in these movies. It's out there for him. But, but the, the, the excitement, the passion, it wins. It's like I was saying before, football wins over that right now. And, and that, that can be scary because there's going to be some, some injuries. There's going to be some – there's probably going to be some deaths. There have been deaths. And, 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 that's, and, and one is too many of those. But, but uh, you know, it, it's what our – you know, it's what our fan base loves to see, and the, and these kids they feel like superstars when they're playing football and they're under those lights and they're, and they're using their speed and they're using their toughness and their agility and their arm strength and all those God-given abilities. And so I just think that it hasn't changed it at all. I, I, I in fact, more than anything, I see I see the passion and I see the passion that coaches have, 
I have a, a great deal of respect for coaches and the hours they put in. So I, I can't say that it, it's changed. If it has, it's been in a more positive way. Um, you know, before before we let you go, obviously it's NFL season. I got to ask you, how about them Cowboys? What's going on? Uh-huh. Well, you know, I think today was some big news with the finding out that Des Bryant's got a fracture in his knee um, and, and he's going to, he's going to, I don't know if he'll be out in this game coming up. I think he probably will be, but it's Des and, and he, he'll play through anything. He probably wants to practice through anything. <laughs> um, but, but, you know, the, we saw last year, you know, you, you lose Tony Romo. It's, you know, it's, it's going to be tough. You lose Romo and Des, they could not win a game with both of them. So we'll see. Now, Dak Prescott's given them more excitement, more juice than they had all of last year. Ezekiel right. uh, right. Elliott doing the same thing. You know, we know that the, who the quarterback of the future is. The right. question is, is, is the, when does the future uh, become the present? So he's That's been, really right. So he, he's been that impressive. You think that that you feel like he's the quarterback of the future? I do. I, I think so. And I wouldn't have said it maybe two weeks ago. I would have said maybe last week. I would have said probably. This week, I think I think he is, and I think he's because he's he's getting better every week. He's going to have his moment where they lose thirty-one to three, and he throws four picks. I get it; that's going to happen. Um, but but how does he bounce back from that? Tony Romo had that game his first year. He went to Buffalo, he threw five picks and lost a fumble. He came back and they won the game. Troy Aikman says that's the best game Romo's ever played. Mm. Quarterback rating is like 22 or something like that. But but it's how you respond when you get your nose bloody and, and people are looking at you sideways. That's when you respond. And and I think he hasn't had that moment yet. But he is the, the coolest, calmest customer. He he's he's saying the right things. He's doing the right things. He's trying to get better. He's going to learn from from Romo. He's going to learn from these guys. I think he will be the quarterback of the future. But I I, I think it's we're not there just yet. But I think we're getting closer than we've ever been with someone other than Romo here in Dallas. Let me ask you something, Nick. This kind of switching gears a little up. You know, outside the stadium, there's been a whole lot of stuff going on in Charlotte, and you know, there's this whole thing <laughs> beginning at, at the beginning of the season with um, Colin Kaepernick and the kneeling, and which players do kneel, don't kneel. Um, players are, you know, because you, you, you've got a league with a whole lot of young black men. Uh, playing sure. in, 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 even in college, you've got an industry with a whole lot of young black men. Uh, so I've got a couple of shotgun questions. I mean, I was just thinking about this as you were talking. As you, as you, f- first of all, I was struck by Jerry Jones. I don't think any of the cowboy players uh, took a knee or demonstrated, uh, you know, during the national anthem like, the last couple of weeks. Did you talk to any of the guys about that? Or anybody talk? About them, I mean, was Jerry was Jerry kind of intimidating people? I mean, was he? No. I heard him say something like, "I'm glad our guys didn't do it." And so, in other words, to right. me, that's saying you better right. not do it. But have you spoken said, about now that? Now he said he would have been. He said he would have been disappointed had a player done that. But let me. Give well, you a what, 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 what does that mean? That. <laughs> okay, here, here's why. Here's why he would have been disappointed mm-hmm. because back in um, in training camp, the first day of training camp. Now you got to remember what happened in Dallas about 10 days before that. We had a horrible shootings here. We lost five uh, Dallas police officers. Right now, what happened then is that with Jason Witten, uh, Barry Church, um, Romo, there, there was four or five of, of our captain leaders got together and, and they, they created the initiative arm in arm. We're going arm in arm on this with our city, with our police officers, with our football team, and, and, and our community. We're gonna we're gonna grab each other's arms and we're gonna get rally around this together. 
they flew up the mayor of Dallas. They flew up the police chief of, of Dallas up to California for the first day of, of training camp, and they walked in the the entire organization, players and everyone, arm in arm, and they said, "We're going to do this together. We're a team, and we're a community, and we're going to be as one." And so I think what Jerry was saying is, is if you grabbed an arm right then and you you bought into the situation of what we're trying to do then I would be disappointed if you now you came back now and you wanted to, to do that. And that's I think that was what the, the premise of what that statement was, is because they made the T-shirts up, they wanted a helmet sticker, and the NFL said no to the helmet sticker because it violated the uniform policy. Mm-hmm. But they wanted to have arm-in-arm stickers and patches on their jerseys to, to, to talk about the family members that were, you know, that were suffering from the, the fallen officers, but also to try try to rally around the community of Dallas. Mm. What's what, what's your thought? I mean, just you know, what what's your thought of the whole issue? I mean, when Kaepernick knelt and that whole thing. Where, where do you come down on that? Is it is it does it uh, you know does it disturb you, or do you think he's out of place? Do you think uh, he's right? I mean, what what do you as a, as a journalist, just as a as a human being? Right, and and uh, you know, I have to preface it with this, and and and. I, being 40 years old, being a white male in the U.S., I have no clue. I think I might have a clue, but really I don't have a clue what it's like to be an African-American in this, in this country. I don't, okay? I, I, when, if, if I got stopped by the police, I felt like I, it was because I was speeding, and that's probably it. <laughs> I have never experienced what other people have to experience. So it's really – it's not – I'm sorry to avoid the question, but it's not my place to say what he feels. Um, I, I have the opinions. You know, I, I know we've made change. We've made progress. I, I, I know who our president is. I know that there's been changes, but I don't know exactly what these players feel on a day-to-day basis, and I think it would, it would be overstepping my boundaries to say he should do this or, or he shouldn't do that. I, I really don't, wouldn't feel comfortable doing that because I don't know what it's like to 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 be in a player like that in his shoes on a daily basis, I really don't. Mm-hmm. But there but there hasn't been any. You, I guess you haven't heard or any discussion as far as the Cowboy players go of there being any kind of uh, you know want to do any so. kind of protest or anything like that. I I, I don't think so. You know, w- watch it happen here in, in San Francisco Sunday. <laughs> but as I say this, but I I really I don't think that's that's the focus, and I haven't heard that. I haven't heard of a, of a player um, saying that that was going to happen. Hey, uh, before, before we let you, we keep saying before we let you go, but this is such <laughs> a fascinating. I'm, I'm uh, loving it, guys. Yeah, no. Uh, and, and by the way, next show we'll tell you what it's like to be a black man in America. But well, that's a, that takes a whole <laughs> show. <laughs> in fact, there may be ten shows. But um, uh, and then this, this is more of an alter to alter question. You know, one of the things you had to deal with, like you said, you had to wonder when to stop. You know when to stop because the, the history is unfolding, and um, right. how, how do you deal with that? You know, uh, I've written a couple books, and in each case, the history was complete. You know, uh, you know, right. uh, the quarterback's book. Well, Joe Gillum's history is done. I mean, you know what what happened. Um, but in in this instance, how did you have to deal with? Okay, even when the book goes to press, as you said, things are going to continue to happen. How, how do you? At some point, you got to stop well, it, right? And exactly, and and you know this this was um, this was a book about a football season, you know, a season, and, and obviously it's 365 days. But but for me, the the, the plan was to stop it um, when when they, when you got to the draft, 
you know, when, when the high school kids, the high school's kind of been done, but college players go to the draft and the, and the, and the draft goes against college players and, and, and we're starting over, we're recycling and we're getting new players. Um, but because of the Art Brow situation, that I felt like we, we had to address that. We had to get that going. And that was, that was happening after the draft. Mm. And so basically I stopped it when, when he, he was, um, when they reached the settlement, he had already been fired. When they reached the settlement there, I thought, okay, this is probably, I mean, it has to stop here because, you know, the, the, the deadlines was coming. So that's kind of where we ended it and said, yeah, there'll be some new things that come out of this, but he's no longer the coach. He's officially been fired. He has a settlement. He'll move on. Baylor moves on. And that's kind of had to where I, where I put it. I mean, I had different stop dates. It was supposed to be signing day in February, then the draft ended up being kind of like uh, mid-June there. Well, you did a great job, man. I must tell you, fascinating job. And it's been a fascinating interview, man. This, right. we, we, this has really been great. You've been great. Our, our guest has been Nick Eatman. He's the author of Friday, Saturday, Sunday in Texas, A Year in the Life of Lone Star Football, from high school to college to the Cowboys. He's speaking to us from, are you in Dallas? Or are you, where are you? I'm in Dallas. Oh, sir. you're in Dallas. Yes, I, Gearing well, up. Outside of Dallas. Outside of Dallas in, in, in the Colony, Texas. That's where uh, I live over by the Cowboys' uh, uh, Frisco headquarters in Frisco. All right. And uh, we've got, of course, the big game coming up. Um, San Francisco, right? Is it at Dallas or is it, or is it in the Bay? Where it's is up, it? It's up in San Francisco. Oh, boy. Yeah, it's big one for the Cowboys because, you know, they, when you, they've been eight and eight for so many years here. <laughs> and even when they go 12 and four, they go four and 12, you know, Jason Garrett <laughs> was 40 and 40, uh, and, and going into this year. And so one and oh and one, one and one, two and one, they need to get off that, that eight and eight, that uh, roller coaster. And this is the way to do it. San Francisco's hurting. They got to yeah. go into San Francisco. They got to get this win They you know, they got to establish themselves as a road team again. And if they can, if they can do that, then, you know, it, it'll set things up nicely. Or whoever the quarterback will be when Tony comes back, or or Dak is Tony coming well. back? Do you think he's coming back? Really? Do you think he's coming back? back? Well, well, and if he come, and if he come, if he comes back, do is there some sort of controversy, or is it just Tony's job when he's when he's healthy? It's it'll be Tony's job. It'll be Tony's job because Jason Garrett makes that call. Jason Jerry Jones makes that call. It'll be you know whoever makes that call. You got to remember they they are loyal to Tony, hundred percent. Right. How many playoff games? Nick, how many playoff right. games has he won? He's he's won uh, one, two, two, two. Okay, two. He's won two. I got but, now. I mean, but, I I wanted to let you go, but see, I my my nephews are these huge Dallas Cowboy fans, and before, <laughs> and before I became a mercenary sports writer, like the last team I really liked, I grew up in Chicago, but the last team I liked as a fan was was the Dallas Cowboys, and this was when I was fifteen, you know. But you know, Dallas Cowboys. Again, I don't want you. I know you write for Dallas Dallas, but. They have the most inflated sense of themselves. You would think that they've won like 12 Super Bowls the way they talk about the Cowboys and Tony Romo as Bart Starr and, and Tom Brady. You know, the guys won two playoff games. I'm like, I mean, two. Not, not two. I mean, two. You know, so again, I mean, I don't expect yeah. you to say anything because I know you. See, Nick, <laughs> no. you, you got him. You got him on a rent. <laughs> no, that's, that's okay. I feel sorry for you because he's going to be riled up now. Okay. No, and, and, and I hear. I, and I, it's I, like the presidential I, debate. <laughs> they they are loyal to them. They're, they're they're loyal to Tony, and I I think we saw last year and a couple of years maybe how bad it really would have been without him. Right. You know, without Tony in these eight and eight seasons. Um. This is what I call, and I I created this one on my own, maybe because I have a, a baby. But to me, Tony for the Cowboys is the diaper. 
he has been a diaper for this team. When he's on there, you put him on there, it looks nice, it's clean, it's fine. He covers up the crap. But when you when you don't see when the diaper's not there, it doesn't smell really good. And that's what we saw last year. It had a foul smell to it. So until that changes, until the Cowboys can figure out that they can win without him, he's not the only thing they have, then I think the Cowboys, there's going to be some problems. They've got to figure out how to win without their quarterback and not be so reliable to him. Well, look, it looks like they're doing. They're starting to do that now. Like you said, Dak Prescott. It looks like they are. Yeah, very, it does very, look like they are. Yeah, he's very mature, right. like you said. And also – He's a you serious know, he, quarterback. Right, he's and, a serious and he, he quarterback seems to be right he's, he's saying and doing the right thing, so he, uh, you know, he's not going to obviously create the controversy, whatever happens. Yeah, this, no, not at all. Yeah, this, guy, it, this guy really strikes me as a really solid quarterback. I mean, like, he seems like he knows how to win. Um, again, he's only a, a rookie, but he kind of reminds me of um, – well, forget who he reminds me of, but he just really seems like he's serious. So I, I think that uh, – and, and again, this is another show, but I think that – Romo, and it kind of gets into what we were talking about about how you get you could get caught up in the in the in the hype and the life and stuff like that, you know. But I think that this guy, and maybe it's only because he's a rookie, that he really be he's serious. He's not caught up in the the line. He, and it, the thing is, he seems to know how to win and to not make you know because what Tony would do, and again, it's not all his fault. But although I'm a blame for everything, you know, he he would make the uh, he would play a perfect game and then wait until the Key moment to make the critical mistake. You know, he might play a 99% perfect game, but the mistake he makes costs him the game. Maybe it's a fumble snap back in Seattle. Maybe it's a bad, right. you know. So, um, anyway, that's just how I, <laughs> that's, that's how I feel. That, the irony to that is that he, is, he has the highest quarterback rating in the fourth quarter of anybody in the history of the game. And, you know, but wow. but but you're right. Those things have happened. Right. But you but you think about it, he he has played the best in the fourth quarter of any other quarterback. So um, you can't deny that those those other things have happened. Uh, I, I I'm gonna go to what you said about Dak. There was there's been a theory and in, in the in the scouting business that you know players that come from Mississippi State don't really do well in the pros. They, they, they're just not. They, they, for some reason, they're just not good pro players. Uh, it's not been the best program up until the last few years. Dak Prescott put them in number one in the country for a few weeks. He took that whole program, that whole state, really, and put it on his shoulders. So we talk about a guy that knows how to win. He, he's done that. He took a program that, that hasn't really been that, that heralded and, and, and had them on the map there for a while in college football. So uh, you're right about that. And, and I think he'll do the same uh, and with the Cowboys when, when, it's, when it's his time. Right. And the, Cow- the Cowboy defense is looking tough. Uh, and the NFC East is wide open, I think. It, it is. It is. I mean, it's it, it, uh, the defense has got to get a little better because they don't have any playmakers. But, but you know, I think that the Eagles are surprising to people. The Giants have, have dangerous players in, in – in, Odell Beckham, I still think he scares you so much, and the Redskins have so much speed that they'll they'll figure it out, and they they all play each other tough. So it's going to be a, a wild division for sure. Are you going to come up here? Uh, come up to New York when the when the Cowboys come I'll, up? I'll be there. That's the plan for well, sure. Yeah, well, well, you got to stop by. We'll be there. We'll be we'll be set up. But I I want to say they do have one great playmaker, and the great playmaker they have is Nick Eatman. <laughs> hey, listen, hey, Nick, I appreciate you, that. No, man, you've been great. We appreciate it too, man. This has been outstanding. Again, the book is 
Friday, Saturday, Sunday in Texas, a year in the life of Lone Star football from high school to college to the Cowboys. The author is Nick Eatman. Done a great job. You should be really proud of yourself, man. Really outstanding job. And thank thank you so much, man. Yeah, now thank you so much, man. All right. Thank you very much for listening, everybody. Greatly appreciate it. Yeah, that was great. Uh, Thanks to Nick Eatman once again for joining us. Great conversation. Uh, Follow us, as always, follow us on Twitter at BrosPod. Follow us at Instagram at BrosPod. Follow the page, our Facebook page, Bill Roden on Sports, uh, on iTunes and SoundCloud, wherever you're listening. Rate the show, comment on the show. And again, uh, we did get get a couple questions on on Gmail uh, at brospot at gmail.com um, and we will get back to you and we will probably talk about that on, on one of the shows coming up. Your next show. Yeah, next show, but definitely continue to, to give us advice uh, in terms of who, who you want to hear and all that good stuff at uh, brospot, B-R-O-S-P-O-D at gmail.com Thank you everybody. Good night. God bless. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.